0: Hello and welcome to Trees Dropping at the Movies. I'm Mike and I'm Jose. And today we're talking about the Garment Jungle, a film with a terrible title, I think. I kind of like it actually. Garments.
1: It, it reads like one of those 1950s pulp detective novels. Mm. The Garment Jungle.
0: Yes, well, <laughs> it's um, it's based not on uh, a pulp novel. But on a Reader's Digest article about the infiltration into the garment district in New York of organised crime.
1: Mm.
0: Uh, So the film is about a small-ish company, not one of the giants, that's run by Lee J. Cobb. And how he has been using the mob to bust unions. Mm. And how that kind of gets on top of him. His son comes back from the Korean War and is new to all of the developments that have been going on. He's just kind of your, your way into the movie, I guess, mm. and the catalyst for change. I mean, I found it quite a surprisingly interesting drama about about labour and that kind of thing.
1: I mean, you know, to have uh, an American film just immediately after uh, The House of Un-American Activities, but still, you know, it's in the 50s, so there's still all that communist hysteria, uh, to be pro-union mm. is really quite something. I this mean, is
0: 1957 this yeah. came out. And and there's a whole thing in the production of the film we were just reading about where the original director, Robert Aldrich, wanted the film to be grittier and and really more pro-union than it was, although I think and it quite clearly... I think it is. I it mean, sides of the union. It does, yeah. Well, um, the thing about this film is that it sides with the union, but... It,
1: it has this uh, effect of making the unions' interests concomitant with those of business. Yeah, so hmm. the, the interests of business and the unions are one and the same, right? Which is very different from life. Yeah, so it reconciles that contradiction, and it lays the blame on the mafia rather yeah. than on you know business. Something to exploit the workers as much as possible, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, after a few weeks of filming, Aldrich was fired and replaced with uh, Vincent Sherman, mm. who we were just talking about some of his greatest hits, and none of them really appeared to be all that great. He was a working director.
1: I read his biography, uh, Vincent Sherman. He directed Mr Skeffington, the Betty Davis film, and went on to, you know, a career at Warner Brothers as... A second-rate director of A-films initially, yeah? (laughs) So he was directing big stars like Joan Crawford in big-budget films, but, you know, he wasn't anybody's first call to direct them. I, you know, Michael Curtiz was the top director at Warner's in this period, and then, you know, if they needed somebody to to cope with very difficult women, Vincent Sherman was called (laughs) upon because he wasn't above sleeping, you know, with... Betty Davis or Joan Crawford, to calm their nerves. <laughs> um, we should always be so lucky. Which always makes the film run smoother. <laughs>
0: well, um, as indistinguish as his film career may ultimately be... Um, it's not th- that interesting. I found the direction of this, although I suppose it's difficult to tell when a film's been partially reshot, you know, who's responsible for what, I found the direction of this reasonably elegant, actually. I don't, think yes. the, I don't think the direction of the acting is all that great. And I think they don't have a great script to work with.
1: I was just going to say, so, you know, that's very interesting because, you know, the shots, like the, the composition of the shots, the angles, the fluidity of the camera, mm. you know, there's on-location shooting and the matching of the studio with the on-location, that's all terrific, mm. right? But there's something disjunctive, which is, you know, he's got fantastic performers and the film is full of awkward pauses, of false reactions, of you know moments that are just very badly directed in terms of actors, and that you cannot blame the actors for, because some of the actors are really amongst America's greatest actors, yeah, you know, like Lee J. Cobb, mm. you know. So, so there's like a, a kind of there's a cinematic nausea involved in the filmmaking. But there's also a heavy-handedness, or a, yeah, a lack of fluidity, flexibility. Yeah, yeah kind of which
0: is more in the storytelling, like the, more in the, in, like I say, in the dialogue.
1: Mm. Um,
0: I think I do think it's a very bad script. Some of it, especially early on, some of the writing is really plain and obvious, and people stating very obvious things and that kind of thing. It doesn't hold much promise. I It's guess.
1: hard to blame the writing, in a way, because. You know, the film was originally meant to be one thing mm. and then it was taken over by another director, yeah, and contorted to say something else. Yeah. Right. So um yeah, I mean, So I that's why know, the writing
0: I don't mean to blame like, any one in particular, I guess, but it's it's just a problem with the film this yeah, is it's the a, effect that's yeah. had. Um, and that's a good way of looking at the film, I think. But actually when it gets into um the kind of triangle, I suppose, between the sun, the union Uh, organiser and his wife I found that stuff really engrossing and really Mm. interesting and the the union organiser in particular Robert uh, Lodger is the actor's name Tulio played by Robert Lodger I thought he was wonderful I think he was the best thing in the film I thought Mm. his character was pretty complex and I felt I understood the 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 competing desires and interests in him you know he's got this wife and this baby that he wants to look after but he also wants to keep on doing the right thing and fighting for workers and he really believes in the union this kind of thing and then when his life's clearly on the line as as it's obvious and people have been killed by these gangsters just right at the start that uh lee jacob's business partner who is pro-union has been killed mm. um I suppose you could say it's stupidity and it's impractical. Like, he knows he's putting his life on the line and he shouldn't be because he's got other things to worry about. But he wants to do the right thing and he fights for what's right and he really feels that in his bones. Mm. Um, So when he is killed by those gangsters and, you know, 400,000 people come out for his funeral, you kind of believe it, right? Actually, that looks
1: like archival footage of something.
0: Oh, yeah, the actual footage has to... I don't know what that's from, but...
1: Yeah, it's amazing. Um, I mean... I, I was thinking, or my questions about this film is, why would anyone who's not a scholar yeah or who's got some scholarly interest in areas that the film touches on, yeah, why would anyone want to watch this film, yeah because in some ways it's kind of you know it's very pulpy. uh it's only eighty eight minutes, but I found it slow mm. yeah so why why put it out in this magnificent box set? Uh, done by Columbia, so it's Columbia Noir One. The box said that uh, the film comes from, and the film actually looks magnificent. Mm. Yeah, like it's yeah, a it fantastic does. copy. They've done a fantastic job, indicator. But what would you say are the reasons to watch this film? Are there any reasons to watch this film if you're not like a scholar?
0: Well, yeah, that's the question like beyond academic interest, because um, at the start it struck me as. Like We're watching this on a Sunday afternoon, mm. and it really struck me as something you would find on TV on a Sunday afternoon. Do you know what mm. I mean? Something that's kind yeah. of cheaply bought by a TV studio to uh-huh. put um, on. And sometimes those films surprise you. Yeah, yeah. You find something in there that you didn't expect. And this kind of has that,
1: right? I mean, I think for me, there are several things. So first of all, you know, the beginning of the film is fantastic. I, yeah, so... You know, Lee Cobb is saying there, I will never let a union in my shop or whatever. And, you know, his partner goes, well, you know, I'm a designer and I'm getting the union in. And, you know, it goes down, goes on the lift and boom, he's killed. Right. The lift goes down. It's an amazing opening sequence. Right. (laughs) It's like really pulpy. It's action filled. You know exactly where you are. Yeah, it's exciting. You know, so I thought that was like almost a demonstration of pulp. Yeah, because, you know, there's no complexity or sophistication of ideas. There's no nuanced setting of grounds for later. It's just bang, you're right in, and, you know, you're right in, like, death and strikes and murder, right? Like, yeah. it's fantastic. The other thing that I love very much was um, that it's a film about the garment industry, right? And so it touches on fashion, and the film tells you, right, all these gowns are by Jean-Louis, right? And they are very beautiful, you know? And so you have, like, that conflict between... Appearances, you know, and sweat, right? And actually, that is designed into the film itself, right? Where you have like the fancy office, the showroom where the clothes are shown, and then you open this barred door (laughs) and you know, you're right in the sweatshop, right? With like hundreds of people kind of, you know, sweating away. Uh, So so I thought that you know that's kind of that could have been developed into a, a really interesting theme the distinction between the front of the house the back of the house yeah mm. the facade and the real underneath yeah but it's and I think it's there somewhere but it's not kind of consistently laid out but that's you know to me a kind of a really interesting thing and the other reason to watch the film is because I think it powerfully evokes a documentary flavor of a way of life and a way of work. I mean, you get a real sense of the garment industry, yeah, you know, of the neighborhoods, yeah, you know, where it took place. Mm. Of you know, there's the a people. lot of location, and a shooting. lot of lo- location shooting, which almost like, can't help but make you wonder. My God, you know those posters, the way that the shop windows are. Mm. You know, there's a like whole huge fancy kind of uh, shop that wraps around a huge building that just sells cigars. Who knew yeah. <laughs> that cigars were so popular at one point? Yeah. So, you know, that flavor for the way things were a way of life that no longer exists. Yeah. You know, the type of people who work there and where they live, that's all very um, powerfully evoked in the film, I
0: think. Yeah. I think the location shooting really, really helps the film because there's so many, so often you see a film where it's been shot on sound stages and you feel the fakeness, and you feel the yeah. kind of inauthenticity. And here you you'd you feel that sense a lot less. You actually mm. feel these are the streets of New York where these where these yeah. actions are happening, these conversations are happening.
1: I mean, obviously, most of it must have been filmed in the studio, but it's really well matched with those, you know, with that documentary footage.
0: Yeah. Well, I was reading that. Well, obviously, the, the stuff on the streets you can tell yeah. It has been shot on the streets. And I was reading that the um, the uh, kind of shop floor uh-huh. was a real Shops all they bought and, and kitted out themselves, but uh-huh. it was a real space. Uh-huh. So, you know, maybe and more you real can, than you even thought. Yeah, yeah. And You can tell in a way. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, But there are things that really don't work. So here are some of the best actors in America of that period, and here are some of the worst. Right? <laughs> you know. So you have Lee J. Cobb and his son. And the son is terrible. He's He's the
0: worst thing about the film. (laughs) Who is he? What's his name, by the way? Yeah, so, um, Kerwin Matthews. Do you know the name? No, I didn't until now. Kerwin Matthews. That's his uh, Wikipedia profile picture. Uh, (laughs) That's (laughs) true. Looking very fabulous. That's as Jack the Giant Killer. Uh Um, So, he's best known, according to Wikipedia, for playing the titular heroes in the seventh voyage of Sinbad, the Three Worlds of Gulliver and Jack the Giant Killer. Mm. He was gay. No, oh. his partner was Tom Nickel from 1961 until Kerwin's death in 2007. All of a sudden, he's more interesting. <laughs> 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 <Of course it's. laughs> but I, I mean, yeah, I didn't know him, and I thought he was terrible in this. And I could, I, well, I could see why I'd never heard of him before mm. on basis of this because. He handles his dialogue very, very badly. He does. I don't think he does an interesting, an interesting thing with his facial gestures, performance. He really kills seeing Stone Dead. Lee J. Cobb is a wonderful actor and a wonderful presence, and I love him. I don't think he's given enough interesting to do. I think he does the best. He makes what he can interesting, the but the I don't character think the character is not an interesting one. Exactly, the character uh, is not rich enough. Uh, so. Like and, I say, and, I think the, the most interesting ones for me, the most interesting characters and actors, were the two, the, the union-busting couple.
1: Yeah, it's a pity that the film wasn't about them, actually.
0: Although uh, I do like, it kind of is for a bit. I mean, I do like, the, there's a shifting focus, I guess. At I, I, the start, I really thought it's all about Lee J. Cobb's character. He's in, he introduces the film, it's all about him. He's the star. And then the son comes in, and he hears this rumour about his dad, or this, you know, the, the union guy says, oh, your dad had his partner killed. And so the son then has to take this up with the union guy, and then it becomes about their relationship for a while. And Lee J. Cobb is not in it for a long stretch. Well, really. the film
1: is very disjointed because I think you can detect that there's an intention to make a parallel between Lee J. Cobb and his son and Robert Loggia and his father. And you know, mm. there's a clear attempt made to connect them, right? I, you know, Robert Lodge is only involved in the union, etc., because his father was a tailor, and I don't quite know why, really, but, yeah, they they attempt to give you an explanation, but that doesn't quite work. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, that. but they do tell you that's why he could never do anything else, and you think, well, why? Yeah, <laughs> yeah so... There is meant to be a parallelism between them. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just not w- well worked through.
0: But but in terms of the kind of like I say the shifting focus, like a, you know, I th- I, th- I think it's gonna be about this one character and then it's not for a while and actually it's it's not the smoothest thing, but actually it, it kind of made sense. Like the the focus goes from this character to this character to this character. And so, although Lee J. Cobb is, you know, name on the post or whatever, he's a star mm. um I suppose the disappointment, if anything, is that he's not in it very much because there is so much focus on these other characters. But the benefit of that is that the other stories are probably a bit more interesting.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. The, the, thing, the film is full of so many interesting things that don't work out. <laughs> so, for example, I love the way that Robert Lodge is killed, yeah? You know, mm-hmm. that he's killed, that he's held down by his own colleagues, by his own union members, right? that could have been made much more potent. It could have been made much more symbolic, right? Mm. It's like a Judas moment, right? It's not really played through. Uh, The fact that uh, he's got a witness, that his witness is also a friend of his, but he's so afraid of his life that he runs off, leaving him to die on his own. You know, when he goes to confess to the wife, that's very badly handled. You know, Mm. I think he should have been given much more sympathy. I mean, you know... I mean, who wouldn't run away in a way? Yeah, you've got a wife and your own child and someone's been killed in front of you. I mean, I think the uh, first impetus is to run away. So I I thought that the whole scene was played terrible as if he'd committed some... as if he'd been the one who stabbed the the husband, right? Uh, So I think that should have been played differently. Um, I'm not saying that what he did was right to run off and leave his friend to die, but certainly it's understandable. And also, you don't see him watching his friend die You know, you just see him running away, right? So, um, Mm. I kind of. I I didn't feel
0: that in that scene, I must say. I felt like. Because he's going to the wife and he's apologizing, and, you know, because he, as in inadvertently or not, you know, his inaction did contribute to to the death. The death. And he's terribly sorry and he wants to kind of try and complain, complain, you know, apologize. And it's. I don't think you know. It's, it's certainly understandable that the wife is distraught and attacks him, um, and it's also understandable that he feels as terrible as he does. I wouldn't expect him to come in and say, okay. "Well, it's awful," but I have this well, reasoning. Let's distinguish. I, and I don't. And I don't think it's the film that is treating him badly either.
1: Uh, well, you see, I do. I think so. Let's distinguish between what he's feeling, yeah, what the wife is feeling. And how the film is showing, yeah. right? And I actually I, I can completely understand his own feelings of culpability. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe if he'd done something, he could have saved them. We don't know that, mm-hmm. right? But he didn't put the knife in. He didn't kill them. No. Yeah, he just didn't save them, which is different. The wife running off the rails like that, I don't quite get. I mean, I can understand her being distraught, and so, but blaming him for the murder of her husband is just completely wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, in my view. And the film treating it as if it is kind of concomitant, as if it is the same thing, is a, a, a stupid a, ideological American conception of those of heroism in a kind of a Cold War climb.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I don't. I don't. I didn't. It didn't come across to me that the film was. Uh, expressing a point of view on that how do you think how do you think how do you feel I it did that it's
1: it's it's asking us to judge the guy and find him wanting to blame him mm. for the murder which i think is wrong
0: i yeah see i didn't think that uh. i didn't think the film was asking me to make a judgment and, and well i suppose if it was asking me to make a judgment the judgment that i made was i understand all the people in this scene and they're in a lot of pain
1: <laughs> you're, so, you're, you're so much more wiser than, than I am. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like,
0: no, it's your fault. <laughs> so, I, I, I think you're right. There, there, it's a it's a scene of very high drama, you know? of excessive drama. Yeah. So maybe that's, I guess, maybe what's pushing you in the direction of saying what well, the um. film wants you to feel the, the the height of. But the thing is that the high drama for me, the heightened drama, um, to me, is an expression of the character's pain. Um, as opposed to an expression of any kind of moral um, uh, judgment that the film. Well, you
1: see, but the whole scene is about moral judgment. It's about culpability and forgiveness and confession. That's what it's about. He goes there to confess. So, you know, says I'm guilty. The wife says, "You kill her." Yeah. So actually, these things have to be resolved in the scene, and they're not
0: very well. Yeah, maybe. It's about the people, though, not the not you know not not God's <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't have a problem with
1: that scene, I must say. Um, and yet, you know, you couldn't wait for it to finish. So, kind of. No, that's
0: it? not quite true. Because I, I, you'll notice for a while, I really shut up in the film. You know, <laughs> 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 you know so I did. I made. I made a few comments, you know, at the start about oh, this is a bit stiff and what have you. And I think you agreed. No, no, I did. The um, but then I shut up for a while because it got quite. It got really interesting. And then when I said how long left is there, it's when. It's when we both, you know, sort of went, ugh, when um, Lee J. Cobb sort of is realising everything he's done wrong and the son is there with the girl and he's yeah. like, we're going to have dinner together. And it's obviously just before the dad then dies, which that's is like, really yes, cliched. Yeah. You know, and that's when we went, ugh. And that's when I said, okay, let's just check how long there is left. Because actually I thought that might be the end. I thought, God, this could be a really terrible, sickening, schmaltzy, and then. You know. Which it wasn't. There was 20 minutes after that. <laughs> um, but, you know, a, a reasonable 20 minutes. Although, again, it does end. You know, so he goes to jail. And they manage to put the mobster away because he's clearly the baddie. And they've got the books, which apparently... Well, it, you know, it did make me think, because this gangster will uh, will kill who he likes and all the rest. And then, all of a sudden, the books... We've got the books on how much my dad paid you and that's going to send you down. And you think, really, is it? But then, it, but then I did also think... Um, Is you know, it going to
1: send you down as well?
0: Well, I thought that, uh-huh. but then I also thought Al Capone—you know—they got him on tax evasion. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe the books would
1: make some difference. You know, I mean the books didn't. <laughs> I mean the questions that the books raised for me was. Isn't that going to take you down? Yeah, aren't they going to find your business because your it's yeah. it's your father, but it's still it's just your father's business. So are you going to be left with the business at exactly? Because the, right? the
0: books just say this guy's been in league with these gangsters. Yeah, because so, the books because yeah because the son says because the books show extortion. It's like well, I mean, so extortion up to a point. Like the dad chose to pay the guy. Like, the books don't show that he was forced to. Yeah. Anyway, but then just after that. They get the guy and the books prove that he's guilty and what have you, and you see on the newspaper, mobster goes to jail for five thousand years, and then there's this scene of like he's going out with the two girls, but he can't because it's a business and all, oh, all oh, the life of a businessman. That's then- such a
1: terrible ending. <laughs> but I also think that. You know, if an hour into the film someone is asking when does it end, that's not a compliment.
0: <laughs> no, probably not.
1: <laughs> Especially when the film is only 88 minutes
0: long. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. So a mixed bag.
0: Very mixed bag, but but an interesting film, and I'm, I'm surprisingly glad that I watched it. You yeah, I didn't expect
1: well, it to be. Hurrah! Because we have a box set to get through. Yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 but I do want to reiterate that, I, that the thing I'm really most surprised by about the film is, is how appealing it was to, to look at but I don't just mean the restoration when well, I mean the direction I mean um. the, the choice of shots the way the camera moves the way it frames things much more interesting than I was prepared to expect
1: yes I was not as surprised by that just because of the people involved actually mm. um, but I can't state enough What a joy it is to watch these restorations! It is like watching these films anew. Mm -hmm. You know, I now often have friends saying, "Well, have you seen so and so?" No, it's on YouTube. Well, I'm not watching shit on YouTube if it's like in blurry vision like that. It's it's like such a completely different experience of seeing. You know, in this one they had the trailer, and you compare the visual quality of the trailer. To the restored blu-ray that you're watching and it is just miles apart really mm. you know there is a kind of a sensuous pleasure in watching a good print and these are beautiful
0: yeah it was really really beautiful so uh so we recommend yeah just about it's interesting, interesting. <laughs> you
1: know it's an interesting movie all right so um thank you very much for listening we are eavesdropping
0: at the movies and we are on apple podcast spotify uh, google podcasts soundcloud and youtube On social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter, and the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.